Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the sixth episode of Rebel Season 2, titled Blood Sisters. Now, we don't really have any announcements this week, other than getting, you know, millions of Force Awakens trailers. So let's go straight into the episode rundown. William, why don't you tell us everything there is to know about this episode? Sure, Stephen. This is Season 2, Episode 6, titled Blood Sisters. It was written by Kevin Hopps and directed by Bosco Ng. In this episode, sent to meet a courier with secret information, Ezra and Sabine discover that they aren't the only ones trying to retrieve it. I just want you to know, I got really confused for a moment because I thought you meant that the episode synopsis was sent to you with a secret courier, and I was mm-hmm. really confused. Yes, it anyway. was sent to me with a secret courier as well. It's called Wikipedia? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I don't use Wikipedia there... for episode titles. Nobody so, used Wikipedia. You use Star Wars. You use there's plenty of sources for the official synopsis. But there you go. That's not what we're talking about. Today we're talking about Blood Sisters. And like with uh, the Hera episode that uh, aired uh, two weeks ago, because uh, as, actually, as you might be wondering why we didn't have an episode last week, the answer is it was just before Thanksgiving and people were already traveling and out of town. We typically record over the weekend. We were busy. As a result, you know, life got away, yeah. and we decided let's let's do a, a recording after we all get back. So uh, we're, we're recording this uh, just for a review of Stealth Strike as well. So you'll get these episodes back to back. So with that out of the way, thank you for your patience. Um, we're gonna get this great episode. This this episode uh, dealt with Sabine's backstory. Finally, last week was Hera's backstory. This Yay. week is Sabine's backstory. And actually, I thought they did a, a better job with Sabine than they did with Hera. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. I would as well. Just by the yeah. nature of what they were trying to do in the episode, I think they did a better job. Definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. And I, I think it helps because we actually have someone from her past. In, in, in yeah, case. exactly. But before we get to that, uh, we get uh, at the beginning of the episode, Hera is giving uh, this this. Um, rebel soldier named uh, Vo, I think it is, V-A-U-X. I'm going to say Vo because it's similar to my last name. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's just Devereaux. Um, <clears throat> Hera orders Vo to pick up some crates of Ronto meat. Apparently this was originally Wookiee meat in the script, which Ew. sounds pretty Yuck. disgusting. Uh, so thank you for changing it to Ronto meat. All of us appreciate it. Thank you. I wonder if it's one of those that tastes like chicken. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't want to know. Uh, I don't want to know either. I feel like Chewbacca wouldn't agree, and uh, he'd probably pull your arms out of your sockets. So. Oh, don't want to have that happen. Um. Anyway, thankfully it's Ronto meat. I, I have to ask you guys. In the in the previous episode, Hera was given a promotion to Phoenix leader, and now she's giving out assignments. Mm-hmm. Do you think, as Phoenix leader, is she more in charge of the you know just leading the the fights and the battles or is she actually giving out assignments to the rest of not only just phoenix squadron but these other um 
these other pilots as well because i don't know why phoenix squadron would be going and doing like a pickup of ronto but you feel like you think you'd have like a carrier or something <laughs> someone doing that type of job um i, don't know. I feel like hera was always kind of in charge of supplies and some of the logistical pieces so i'm mm-hmm. not overly surprised to be honest yeah but if you're giving if you're giving that kind of ranking over a phoenix squadron i always thought it was like she's in charge of that squadron of a wings or that char- that squadron of x wings or whatever that's what i thought not one to where it's like if you were to be like a commander of a battalion or a field you know field general th- you know of actual soldiers so squadron to me is something that flies that's how i see it hmm. so I don't know. I guess within the rebellion, it's it's a you know different way of seeing things. So that that could be it. That could very well be it. So yeah. Hera gives his assignment. Uh, Stephen, were you gonna say something? No, sorry. Can, by all means, continue. Uh, and then she sends Sabine to Havoc Outpost, uh, and Ezra once along once again tags along. Uh, with Chopper. I, I do feel like Ezra tends to go on most of these missions. He's either sneaking onto the ship or he's getting assigned to it. Um, I know it's kind of Ezra's story. I, I'm curious if we'll ever get episodes that are or maybe Ezra doesn't play as much of a role because it's more of an ensemble cast. Like You don't necessarily have to have uh, Hera join. Uh, well, I guess in the last episode, Ezra didn't really come along as much, but he, was, he still played a role back oh. on the ship. I don't know. Do you guys care at all i mean i think i mean i feel like that's just because ezra's in many ways the main character of the show Mm -hmm. um he's the one he's the viewpoint character who doesn't have all the information that kanan or Hera or anyone else has and as a result i think that's why he gets included a lot because he has a (laughs) excuse me um a destiny before him that we're going to be discovering and it i think sometimes results in things like this where it ends up feeling a little bit forced but to a certain degree, wasn't there a complaint from Sabine a couple episodes back that she didn't know everything that was going on? Mm-hmm. So in this case, maybe this episode, eh, Ezra didn't have to go wrong. This could go along in this episode, but this could have been a point of view from her. It was her episode, but could it have been a little bit stronger without Ezra in this one and more focus on Sabine? Yeah, I, so I feel like Ezra is, is kind of a mixed bag. We have some episodes like the next episode, Stealth Strike, where he plays mm-hmm. an amazing role. His humor's on point. He's showcasing his abilities. And then we have episodes like this one where he feels more like a gag and just getting in the way all the time. I would and argue I think... that he actually caused more harm than good in this episode. And I have to agree oh, with yeah. you. Yes. I, I hate to say that, but I – yeah – no, you're 100% correct. Yeah. So, let, I mean, let's just start. He, he starts off by being extremely creepy. I mean, I know he likes Sabine, but wow. Uh, he starts going on about, on and on and on about how much of a loner Sabine is. And it gets, get it just starts getting creepier and creepier. Like, oh, I've seen you go off by yourself mm-hmm. and be alone and do this alone. And blah, 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 blah. just like how much he's noticed about her. Like it's really... Ezra, you're a stalker. Yeah, it almost got like, little a little bit. Almost stalker yeah. territory. It was getting really creepy. Um, and then he proceeds to be the absolute worst spy ever. Oh, absolutely. Where you know, so 
Hera is worried about Ezra keeping a low profile, which was a completely valid concern. But she still let him go anyway, right? So they're supposed to find this um, this this person. They don't know who it is. There's, there's some contact uh, at Havoc Outpost uh, with some information that they need. And they have to use, say, the secret code phrase, it's a long way to Alderaan. The problem is they don't know who it is that they're supposed to meet. So instead of having a, at least some sort of set meeting location and then just using the, the, co the secret code phrase as a way to verify the person's identity, they're going up to every single person in this spaceport and saying, it's a long way to Alderaan. And the guy's like, you know, the person from, what are you talking about? Or, yeah, it's, it's like, get away from the It's a long way to Alderaan. And that's what it's yeah, like, it's, like, it's a long way to Alderaan. You have to remember, like, there's the long stare after, like, aren't you going to say something? Yeah, yeah, it's like, right. this, Hi. it's a long way to Alderaan. Get it? Get it? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh, come on, get it? No, no, maybe yeah. I didn't say it right. It's a long, long way. And then, like, you know, Sabine says it, and then Ezra runs up and says it to the exact same person again, like, no, you clearly didn't hear me. Here, Sabine. Yeah. It's a long way to Alderaan, right? And... Just it was, uh... they, they had that very obvious inflection in the voice and like the, the, the facial expressions and they said this, the same person multiple times, you know, or like the, the body movements where they're like making like a secret, you know, hand gesture. Well, yeah. I'm going to whisper the secret in your ear. It's a long way to Alderaan. And it just It felt... was more annoyance. Yeah. How not to be a spy by Ezra yeah. Bridger and Sabine. I mean, Sabine did a better job, but she still was pretty pretty bad at it. I don't know. This was my biggest complaint about the episode, actually. So I, I know I'm kind of harping on this, but uh, no, I would. No, I, I, it it's valid. It it's valid. Unrealistic and dangerous. Like, you know, why would you? Uh, well, whatever. <laughs> well, but the, the only the only thing that kind of makes that pay off is when Ezra finally gets to a point to where he sits down on a droid. And just says, you know, almost like giving up, you know, really, it's a long way to Alderaan, and it ends up, it's a gonk power droid named EG-86 that comes to life right underneath Ezra, and it's like, oh, wait a minute, the best kind of spy is one that's right under your nose, a droid! Yeah, but wasn't the droid, like, sitting there all day? Yeah. How, why did he only, you know, power up after everyone had left the spaceport? Because they're sitting there dejected at the well, end, I mean, they're like, oh, maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe, but like, have, oh yeah. If you hear someone saying it's a long like way to Alderaan over and over and over and over, just like walk up and be like, "Hey, shut up, let's go." Okay. <laughs> Something. But, 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 but I mean, it's maybe maybe person. the droid knew not to reveal itself when there were other no, people around. That is a good point. That is a good point. Yeah, a it's normal possible. spy. A normal spy probably would have walked up to Ezra saying, "Okay, we get it. Let's go." <laughs> I, I have to though. I didn't appreciate the inclusion of the Gonk droid. Um, mm-hmm. This we get the droid named EG eighty six and he's really his own character, which which is kinda nice. We don't really see gonk droids as characters typically like background. Uh and they just like gonk gonk and, and that's about it. Um <laughs> but this one had a lot of personality. Uh and so I, I, it was kinda cool. Also we got according to the episode guide, C three PO was originally supposed to be the uh carrier, but he was replaced with the gonk droid because they wanted to focus more on um on the characters' relationships, like uh, especially uh, between Sabine and the new character we we're introduced to, Ketsu Onyo, uh, who is voiced by Gina Torres. Uh, Firefly fans, yes. I believe, yeah, and yes. other things, and many, but... many other things. But yes, yeah. so you sci-fi fans will probably recognize her from uh, from Firefly. 
what did you think of uh, Ketsu Onyo? She is a she's an abandoned character design from from the Force Awakens, uh, and she has a lot of shared backstory with Sabine. Any so, thoughts? Uh, where, where, I'm trying to figure out where I want to start here. So the first thing is I thought her helmet design remind I I just put it together now. I should add, it reminded me a lot of uh, I'm suddenly blanking. Star Killer's like alternate reality costume from The Force Awakens. Oh, you know what? You're right. I didn't even notice that. And it's it's kind of based off the uh, um, the what's it called? The one Leia's wearing in Episode Six. Bosh. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of helmet style. So it was really cool to see, and very visually impressive to be sure. Yeah, I, I I liked her. It was kind of nice to get, you know, th- this is really where she's used as the vehicle to surface the backstory of Sabine. I think the, mm-hmm. the problem we had with Hera in uh, Wings of the Master is that she was forced to recall her history and talk about, you know, how she likes to pilot ships. But there was nothing that really... Um, you weren't, like, meeting people from her past or... Uh, or organizations or something like that where you're really forced to confront it more and it's a big central theme for the story it's more of like a background oh mm-hmm. hey, let me it was an exposition this... exactly let me yeah it... a couple of minutes to do this exposition scene where i talk about my bit my my history and then we'll forget about it and never touch it again and like at least you got some backstory in this well, one it, it well sorry didn't mean to interrupt but i think what you're trying to say is with this character she's it's more grounding because you have exactly. somebody to bounce off of exactly and, and and it becomes more of a central plot point, um, mm. which which is nice. So, you know, we we find out that she, uh, you know, she escaped the Imperial Academy with Sabine, uh, Ketsu Onyo did, uh, and now works as a bounty hunter for Black Sun, um, and uh, and on on the Sabine side, you know, we we, you know, she she too was a, a bounty hunter before she join the rebels and but after she left the academy so i don't know i'm very curious um how that timeline works out because mm-hmm. we know she's i think 14 at the beginning of this or 16 at the beginning of the series pretty young yeah um and and so she probably only you know probably left the i think you're, you, don't, you don't enter the academy until you're 14 she's 16 at the beginning of rebels so it's like a two-year gap so she had to be at the academy for a while uh and then leave become a bounty hunter with Ketsu Onyo. Uh, yeah. And then that's a quick turnaround. Leave that and then become a rebel. So she's, she hasn't held a job for very long. No, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but at least we got some, we got some backstory here. Is anyone surprised that Sabine was a bounty hunter? I'm actually, I have to admit, I'm a little disappointed. Okay. Cause I, Why? Just, I just, cause it's the like, Oh, you're wearing Mandalorian armor. You must be a bounty hunter because Boba Fett's a, man, a bounty hunter and he wears Mandalorian armor. I was I liked the Imperial Academy backstory. I wanted to see a little more, something more unique, I think. Yeah, she wears the armor, but she's not necessarily a bounty hunter type of thing. Yeah, like, I I, I love the idea that she was a, uh, she, like, went to the Academy and then, you know, maybe a Mandalorian who went to the Academy and then, you know, dons her traditional armor. The fact mm-hmm. that, that she then goes into bounty hunting, I just feel kind of mm-hmm. sullies it a little. Especially because she didn't do it for very long. That is true. Mm-hmm. I, I will say, in her defense at least, um, 
if you were to escape the Imperial Academy, what was the first thing you do? I mean, you're you're on the run at this point. Well, I mean, so, if I was some uh, well, say, big dark lighter, I'd probably go and join the rebellion and get killed true, at Yavin. But I think she, if you're in that environment, right? And I I don't think she ever escaped for. Doesn't sound like she escaped for uh, altruistic reasons, necessarily. Maybe she didn't like what they were doing, but and that's the thing. We actually don't know why she escaped. Um, but I, I'm guessing it's it's not because you know she wanted to become a rebel, right? Uh, in fact, she makes a comment at one point in the episode about how uh, kind of jumping around here, but how she had actually wanted to join Black. She dreamed of joining Black Sun at one point. And didn't realize how evil they were until, you know, long afterward, until she joined the rebels and actually had to deal with Black Sun. And better late than never. Yeah. yeah. So very, very curious. You know, she, she breaks out of the Academy. We don't know why she, how long she's at the Academy for, why she, you know, what, why she went to the Academy. Uh, did she, did she sign up? Did she, um, was she, you know, drafted effectively? Uh, mm-hmm. What caused her to escape with Ketsu Onya? We don't know. When they finally did escape, they they built bounty hunting for a while, we don't, for some unknown period. Uh, then their partnership dissolved. Uh, despite being good friends, their partnership dissolved, and Ketsu left Sabine for dead. I'm really curious what caused Ketsu Onya to leave Sabine for dead. It's uh, it's those things where it's a frustrating amount of detail because all we get is that Sabine says she forgives her, mm-hmm. and that they're. Will, and by the end of the episode, they're willing to be friends. Yep. But it's it's very odd. I mean, clearly they took different paths. I, I kind of like to imagine that they they leave the Academy disenfranch- uh, disenfranchised, disenchanted with the Imperial Dream. And, <clears throat> and then they start bounty hunting because, you know, what's the point? And Ketsu continues that path, joining Black Sun where morals don't matter. And uh, obviously Sabine finds a cause that she believes in and ends up joining the rebels instead. But I don't know. There's just It's just a little bit fuzzy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want certainly that. better, way better than Hera. Uh, yeah. Already. Like we, we have way more details. I wish we knew more. And that's not to say that we have to know every single detail about every single character. You know, I, there are many complaints about how, you know, sometimes we have too much backstory for characters in Star Wars, or we know every little detail about them, and you know, uh, it kind of removes some of the the mystery. Uh, but I think in this case, like the the mystery isn't necessarily as important, or you don't tell everything, but at least give us more details. Like, why did she actually give us choose? more than a drip feed? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and they they kind of tar- started to you know to open up the spot a little bit more in this episode uh, than with Hera, but. Definitely not as much as I would like, and I'm sure they'll never reveal as much as I would like. But um, no, I would, I would, I'm very curious to learn more here. You know, there's something interesting that kind of a parallel between both ep- uh, the episode that I'm seeing and Lost Stars. Okay, because I'm actually uh, in the process of reading Lost Stars. Okay. How, how are you liking that book, by the way? I, I thought it was you know, fantastic. I'm liking this. My okay. I liked Battlefront, but I like this one better than Battlefront because basically the story, it's a straight line. Mm -hmm. Battlefront was all over the place. Battlefront still had a straight line. 
but it it just if you're into the kind of military books, you can read it and understand it and enjoy it for what it was. But I'm getting a better story out of Lost Stars. Oh, for sure, Lost Stars is yeah. way better. In fact, yeah, it's, I'll be honest. It, in my my review of Battlefront for uh, EU Cantina, I panned it. I did not like Battlefront at all. I can um, I can see why. I know I know we're off on a tangent here, but yeah. the, the, there's a point for me to bring up Lost Stars because the the one thing I I want to bring up with this it's it's the you get into the academy, and it seems like between the characters, there's a certain point when you're going through your academy training that you start questioning yourself, and you decide to, you know, you you're either between the two characters, you're dead set loyal of what's going on, but then the other character, it's like at a certain point you start questioning, mm-hmm. and you're looking at this going, okay, at what point did that happen to Sabine to leave the academy? Because these characters in Lost Stars were there for so long, they even got commissioned, and then one started questioning and left. The other one is still there, and now it's gotten to the point to where there's the questioning coming. But Sabine was in the Academy for such short of a time. What made her question that quickly? Right, right. I, I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, I would love to learn more about why... What happened? You know, we, we know with Han Solo... I believe this is still canon. Uh, he's, Ooh, he, he, I, I actually don't know. Um, but at least originally he saw Chewbacca um, basically getting you know, imprisoned and tortured and, and, and decided to break him out. Um, we've, we've seen other people leave the Academy as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as you mentioned, there, the Academy is figured prominently in Lost Stars, which... Again, if you guys have not read the book, it's probably one of the best of the the new um, the new canon right now. One of the yeah, best I books. I, rec- I recommend it right now. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Go read it. Um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, so I, I I'm very curious to see what what Sabine and Ketsu's motivations are. Whatever mm-hmm. they are, though, we you know the the two are obviously very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, they um, they're, they're not, sisters they're not... who took different paths yes right yeah they're not they're not literal sisters right um clearly they 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 look quite different they're um yeah but they're very close they're 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 like sisters it's almost like a big sister little sister relationship yeah the feeling i got for it exactly and so um and they're very similar as well so you can see why they get along so well but you know obviously both were cadets and became bounty hunters both were Mm. mentally in armor uh, they both, you know, uh, sp- like to do spray paint. Uh, they spray paint symbols on the walls of their calling card. In fact, at the beginning of this episode, Sabine sees some of the spray paint on the wall and starts to wonder what's going on. And that's that's her first indication that maybe someone she knows is is around. Uh, and then they both like to see things go boom. So yeah, um, I mean, who can blame them? They're they're basically carbon copies of each other. In, in fact, you think it's too much? I know because I it would be too much if they both end up on the rebel side because right now you've got one that's the bounty hunter, one that is part of the rebellion. You have the opening, and I know we're jumping toward the end. There is the opening for the other one to join the rebellion because that door was left open. It would be too much if they were both in the same show at the same time every single episode. Then it would be too much. That's what I see. True. Yeah, um, and I. Sorry. No, go ahead. Continue. 
like I say, I, like I said, I I see them as these are characters who were like sisters, incredibly close, had the same dreams, same plans, and something happened that caused them to take divergent paths. One of them becomes uh, very hopeful, you know, a believer in the rebellion, and the other goes the other direction and becomes a you know bounty hunter for Black Sun, and. I don't think you could ever have the two of them at the show in the same time because I think it ended up being just a little too much. But yeah, <clears throat> it would be interesting for sure. Every once in a while, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So, um, so we get this introduction and this backstory for Sabine and 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 Ketsuonyo, and then the Empire arrives. So, of course, as, mm. as they do. So uh, Ezra and Sabine and Chopper and EG-86 all hop aboard the GX-1 Lantillon Short Hauler, which is the uh, uh, is piloted, Ship by, piloted by Rex. Exactly, by Rex. Hey, Captain Rex! Yeah, oh, wait a minute, the wrong Captain Rex. Exact, is it just our generic arc series joint, I believe? I don't think it's actually mm-hmm. uh, the, right. the captain we saw in a, in a previous episode giving tours. But they still hop aboard this ship. And uh, with with Rex, and there's a nice little moment where um, you know they basically have to shut down the RX series droid because he's refusing to let them take off, and so they they completely shut him down and and, and take over uh, on, on manual. Um, and we get this nice little uh, escape because you know Ketsu is actually she ends up being left behind, uh, and Ezra in the process of, of escape gets knocked out of the ship as well. Um, so they they both. They're both alone while, while Sabine flies off with the with the droids, um, and we get some some nice combat, a nice fight scene with Ketsu. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she she has a a really cool weapon. It's like a combination of a blaster rifle with a, a and a staff with a, a blade mm. for course, quarter, close quarters combat. Almost reminded me of like a, a force pike with a blaster uh, on the end or something. Kind of um, like Zeb's. Zeb's thing too. It's it's close enough, but not yeah totally there. exactly. Uh, and so she she easily easily takes out the the Empire, and then hops aboard the Shadowcaster, her ship, and uh, and t- and pursues the uh, pursues Sabine. At this point, um, we had we you know, Ketsu basically she takes out Sabine's hyperdrive. And then threatens to blow Sabine up if she doesn't ha- hand over the gonk droid. Um, and and the whole time they're they're talking over the over the you know, holonet, or maybe it's not technically it's probably not the holonet. It's like a you know short range transmission. Comlink. Uh, comlink. But I think they actually don't don't they show a hologram? Uh, that's true. They do show a hologram. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, whatever. Comlink is still to have video, I guess. But um. Yeah, it's close doesn't really matter the details uh <laughs> but, it's close but what did you guys think because uh, during this scene you you have the two like oh you know they're they're going back and forth about how um i'm gonna kill you oh no you won't you won't actually kill me yada 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 uh and in the background through you know we get a shot of, of sabine looking out at at the uh the shadow caster and catch on your ship and in the background we see chopper he flies out the airlock um and then lands on the ship and starts disabling the the primary gun, and you get him like he's like waving his little um, mm-hmm. attachments around like he's you know 
you know, giving signals to Spina. It was well, it's a almost nice like little... keep her talking. It's like keep her talking, yeah, keep her talking exactly. while I do like, this. I got it. You know, we're good to go. Give him the thumbs yeah. up type of thing. It was a nice little scene. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed it where he's just kind of in the background doing comical stuff, but also very serious as well. Not, mm-hmm. not, not like taking his time. And in fact, Chopper's animations throughout this whole episode were fantastic. I thought this was probably one of his best episodes for um, yeah. in terms of, like Chopper's personality. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at oh, one yeah. point he he practically pushes EG eighty six onto the shuttle uh, as, as they're escaping. You know, he does this little wave while he's disabling catch the ship, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then after he finishes, he drops in front of the windscreen and kind of yeah. goes and's like, yeah. ah, yes. look what yes. I've got. Yes, it was so great. Like neener neener neener. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Uh, and then after all of that, you know, uh, Ketsu arrives to capture chopper uh she she basically uh she ca- she brings she's able to capture chopper and um because chopper starts to he, he he starts to fly back to sabine's ship and she uses the tractor beam to grab onto chopper just as he's about to enter the the airlock pulls him back toward her ship and then uh decides mm-hmm. to use him um as a trade so she can get her uh her gonk droid um but when she walks up to Chopper, while well, he's he's saying all his like little karate chop moves, like "qua," you know, uh, with his attachments to try to to stop Ketsu. So props to the animation team for all of Chopper's personality in this one. I, I, very well done. For sure, he is definitely, as Greg Wiseman said, he is definitely a cat. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. not R two D two, which is your faithful dog who's there when you need him. He is definitely the cat. That's the one character in this whole series I want to see a backstory on. As crazy as it is, give me a backstory for Chopper. The Chopper backstory. What do you think? Yeah, the Chopper that would be interesting. Is? What do you think the Chopper backstory is? You know what? I think something went wrong at the time he was created. They put him together, and it was it just immediately went to hell. Yeah, but you know what? That's the thing where they could do anything with his backstory. Because they've really, you know, they really just, they've got a character that has so much personality for just a droid, Mm -hmm. okay, that you can have such fun backstory trying to figure that out. So, Mm. I don't know. It'll be interesting. But, you know, I digress. We we got off topic there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Back Um, into the actual episode. Yeah, back into the actual episode. It would not uh, be a fun episode without... This is kind of a moment of truth, though. This is, the Empire arrives... And Sabine and Ketsu are kind of forced to either, you know, work together or not at all. And, or I mean, or get captured, which is not a a good thing. And so they, of course, make the decision to work together. Um, Although this is, this is maybe a little bit easy. I mean, Sabine has that line about, oh, she forgave Ketsu for the past and yeah, that's, she's good to go. So this is my biggest. And from that point on, Ketsu's whole attitude changes as well. And she's, you know, okay with it. She's okay giving up the bounty and all of it, really. Which, it... yeah, so, it was, it was a little too easy. So Sabine and Ketsu Onyo are having this very serious discussion in the, uh, in the kind of the the corridor between their two ships. And throughout this whole discussion, EG eighty six is just sitting in the back, like kind of poking his head out, like you know, moving around a little bit, kind of like he's almost nervous to walk into the hallway. Um, so in the midst of this very serious discussion, you kind of have this little comedy in the background, which which, which was enjoyable. 
it's kind of a reflection of what we've seen for BB BB eight yes. and a couple of the previews, oh, where it kind of like peeks around a corner. Yes, you are one hundred percent correct. It's exactly like BB eight. Thank you. Um, which which was enjoyable, but so anyway, my 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 big complaint about this whole scene though, uh, is just the fact that it as you said was too easy. It was way too easy, right? Mm-hmm. They're um. They they have this big feud between the two of them, and all Sabine does is apologize to Ketsu. She says, "I forgive you." She said, "I'm or, no, she didn't apologize. She said, I forgive you.' Right? She's forgave her for the betrayal, and all of a sudden, Ketsu's like, "Yeah, okay, sure. Let's uh let's work together. The Empire's here. We don't really have a choice at this point. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's do it." And it just seemed too way too easy, right? Uh, like there's no way yeah, they, like- they could become friends and at that point there's there's literally nothing discussed afterward about the 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 conflict between them it's they are complete friends at that point and everything's great nothing's wrong well it's like old times just like old times and it was yeah it was a very sharp turnaround um which was surprising yeah i like i would have believed yeah i would have believed that you know okay we need to work together now to get away from the empire but the fact that but this is Right. Yeah, yeah, like Ketsu gave up this, you know, big bounty on her black son. Like, are you sure? Are you sure there's not more here? We can't get like, and this is where knowing what happened in the past, I'm sure, would have been helpful. Yes. Because maybe honestly, Just... there was like a stupid minor fight, and all he should do is say, "Hey, you know." But that's the other thing. If if it was just about forgiveness, if Sabine, if if Ketsu only was like, "Why don't you forgive me?" There's no reason why she'd be angry. Or, or, or not as much of a reason why she would be angry at Sabine, right? Just because you didn't forgive me, right? She would be trying to do her best to like make up for it. You you would think, um, you know, but but she she seems to have this big beef with Sabine, and, and obviously vice versa, uh, and so you think like one of them would actually apologize instead of just saying, eh, you know, I, instead of Sabine just saying, hey, I forgive you, and having that solve all of their problems because that and the fact that the Empire arrived. Mm. So, it was a little disappointing, but not the end of the world. Um, still, that plus the "it's a long way to Alderaan" kind of it kind of lowered the episode uh, in, in many ways. Just those two scenes, which is a little mm. little sad to say, but I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, they're running out of time, and so Chopper overloads the hyperdrive on the uh, on the shuttle that they stole to buy them time, and then proceeds to plant thermal detonators all around the cockpit. And so when the the Arkstroid wakes up, he sees all of the, uh, the these these thermal detonators and just starts freaking out and in- initiates emergency protocols. Okay. He's freaking out emergency uh, protocols with all the detonators. What can he do with emergency protocols with detonators all around him? See, I was a little like I. Droids are supposed to be very logical, and I felt like this was a very panicked reaction. He didn't mm-hmm. take that like you know, oh hey, look at that, my hyperdrive is broken, mm-hmm. or anything like that. It was just like ah, oh, panic, emergency protocols, emergency protocols, and we're dead. Yeah, and his where am I comment kind of felt out of place in some ways, because he, yeah. he wakes up, he's, he's he's powered back on, he's like, where am I? And he's like, kind of acting normal, and then he sees the thermal detonators, and he starts like going, ah, you know, what's going on? Where, where am I? You know. And then that's when he flies the ship basically toward the Imperials. Mm-hmm. 
um, and, and it, it explodes, and that, that gives uh, the shadow caster and crew time to fly out and escape. And, uh, you know, we, there's this brief moment where Sabine is knocked out in, in the shuttle. She's, you know, in the, uh, in the airlock, basically. Uh, and she grabs the, uh, I think she was grabbing the gonk droid, right? Or, you know, she was setting the charges. Mm-hmm. She, gets, she gets knocked out and she's lying in there. And, you know, the, they're like, hey, we have to leave. The Empire's on, our, on their way. They're going to get us any minute. And Ketsu, I don't know, it almost felt forced, right? Because she's, Sabine is just like, 20 feet away and you could see her and Ketsu has to have this big decision like do I go rescue her don't I and she runs over picks up Sabina and just walks back through the the, the docking clamp um, and then they, they fly off it, it just felt a little bit forced especially after how quickly they had resolved their issue uh, that, you know, they needed to end the episode quickly I mean yeah, that's not an excuse. <laughs> well, it's not an excuse, but it's okay. It's get it gets back to the suspension of disbelief. Okay, you you you've you've got to do something. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it it may have seemed too easy, but you know, again, hopefully there'll be a payoff somewhere down the road. I, like I owe you one. Maybe, but at this point, they've already resolved it. So, like, they they, they resolved the, the the fight between Ketsu and. Well, that's true. Sabine. So there's no way they're going to go back and and resolve that some more. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, okay, so you have the Shadowcaster rendezvous with the rebels at the Havoc Outpost, where R2 and uh, you know Bail Organa are there waiting to retrieve the information from EG-86. Nice to see Bail again. Yeah, and, and we also had R2-D2, the Gonk Droid, and Chopper all in one place. So it was a, a lot of very short, stout droids, uh, which was, which was kind of cool. The, the three Always handy. Hanging out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you said, it was, it was nice to see Bail Organa. We never do learn what the secret information the droid is carrying is all about. Um, it's kind of the MacGuffin. Um, but as you know, we alluded to earlier or discussed, uh, not just alluded to, we discussed it for at length. Um, it's really all about Sabine. That that's really what this whole episode is about. Sabine's right. backstory, uh, which is why it's a little disappointing we didn't get as much, but it's a lot more than we did got for Hera. So I, I have to, I'm at least thankful for that. And we got a hint that maybe in the in the future Ketsu will join the rebels. She's not going to do that now, uh, and it's not clear if she's going to continue working for Black Sun, or or not because you know she didn't she decided not to collect the bounty on Sabine's head. Mm-hmm. But who knows what the future is for Ketsu? Overall thoughts. I mean, I really hate to just go end it at that, <laughs> but no, I think I think Stephen, I, I think you may have brought up. It's just a basic straight-ahead episode. We got the backstory we needed from Sabine. It told the story of how. You know, her and Katsu were at least able to get along. And it is true. We were able to get a better story out of this than with Hera. Hera was more reflective. This, you had the story with Katsu to, to bounce off a backstory and give meaning instead of just, you know, a thought process. You had your, your basic, you know, Chopper's going to get into some mischief. He got into some mischief. You had Ezra being Ezra. So 
I think that summed up the episode, didn't it? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I guess right. yeah, might as well. yeah. I think we pretty much covered everything. Um, I think we did. So, that, so, Tom, you want to give your thoughts? I'll give my thoughts. Yeah, I'm I'm giving this episode a six. It was a solid episode. You know, it was a f- it gave a good backstory, and and I think we all agree that it was a better backstory to Sabine than for Hera. Even though it was great to see Hera's backstory, this was more a more natural way of giving a backstory in this kind of storytelling than in Hera's. So I give it a solid six. I'm taking my six Womp Rats. I am going to, you know what, I'm going to give all six of them to Katsu so Katsu does not feel like she's alone, and they're going to be her pets. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to be nice to them. I think that's two episodes in which I've been nice to them, back to back. Wow. Or will I know. Tom is predicting the future at this point. You know, uh, possibly. (laughs) We'll see what happens in the next episode. I don't know. But I think the last episode, I don't think I was I was mean with them, so I don't know. We'll see. Might not have been. Yeah, uh, Stephen, you want to go next? Sure, I think I can go. So I think I think I'm also I'm gonna give this a six point five. I think. So, as you said, it was a very straightforward episode. Pick up the gonk droid, deliver it to a place, overcome a single obstacle really in the center, or a couple of obstacles. Um. Definitely delivered backstory better than Harris did. I would have liked to have seen more, of course, but I felt like at least this time that we had it delivered in a nice way. Um, as I'm William talked about earlier, the you know a long way to Alderaan scene and the droid at the very end. Some of the pieces just didn't work for me, which is why I'm giving it a six point five instead of something higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought it was just it was a decent episode. It did what it was trying to do. Not always perfectly. And with my six and a half Womp Rats. So, the Gonk Droid was carrying some very secret information about the Womp Rat homeworld. And my six and a half Womp Rats are somehow related to this. I didn't think think this through very fully. Something to do with the Womp Rat homeworld and the Rebels needing to go there and seek them out for help. That's all I got. It's late. I'm tired. That's okay. That's enough. (laughs) <laughs> I actually, I think for the episode coming up in a couple weeks, I think I might have a good way to torture my Womp Rats. Uh-oh, okay. Sounds yes. good. Yes. But, first, but you'll have to wait for that one. The suspense is going to be killing you all. Yeah. Okay. But first, um, William. Yes, Tom, William, you're Steven, up. I think you guys summarized it pretty accurately. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot else to add. So I will say that, um, yeah, I there were some things I really liked. I thought they handled things there the better. And there were some things that kind of brought the, the overall rating down. And so I'm going to go slightly higher than you guys with a 7.0 out of 10. Um, I felt like they could have done a lot more, but I have to give them, you know, credit for at least giving us more of a backstory with first of being than we got for Hera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I'm going to take my seven Womp Rats and um, uh, there's a couple things I could do with them. I think, I think they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be actually be piloting or, or driving the uh, the gonk droid inside. The, um, this power droid is actually just a bunch of womp rats on those little bikes, you know, pedaling to generate power. And um, actually, I think I did something similar to that in Wings of the Master, but whatever. Um, they're inside the gonk droid and they happen to be asleep all day, 
which is oh, why they didn't geez. hear the It's a Long Way to Alderaan until everyone else had left. Because uh, at that point they woke up and they realized, oh, wait, who's this idiot yelling It's a Long Way to Alderaan over and over and over and over? Oh, okay, maybe we should uh, listen. Explains a lot. Yeah. That explains an awful lot. Okay, so, so we have... Oh, I could do it. Coming up on Ion Cannon, Tom, what do we have coming up? We have Season 2, Episode 7, Stealth Strike. The synopsis for this one is... Kanan and Rex disguise themselves as stormtroopers for a rescue of... You'll have to watch the episode to find out. I am really so, excited about this one. We've got the so interdictor. I, that will be a lot of fun Very to watch. Cool. Uh, and Kanan and Rex going undercover in stormtrooper armor, so... Uh, it's going to be a great episode, I am sure. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening, as always. And we'll be back in a few minutes, actually, uh, with uh, Stealth Strike as we're recording this. We're recording them back-to-back. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncanoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans by fans and is copyright 2015.